I'm Alex Mellaris. And I'm Taisei Fu. And Taisei just told me about a big piece of sports news. So some of you might have heard of Thomas Bradyson and the fact that he retired from the National Football League like a month ago. Not so. He changed his mind and now he's coming back, totally nullifying the meaning of the word retirement. And what strikes me so much about this is normally when a player comes out of retirement, if you'd think it would be like a little ways into the next season or maybe even after a full season when it's like, oh yeah, I really missed being out there. But this is the time of year where he's used to taking time off and resting. And already he's like, eh, I can foresee into the future that I, w- I won't want to continue this rest thing. So I'm coming back. And I think that this is absolutely ridiculous, and I put very little thought into it, into why I think this way. Uh, but if he wasn't sure that he wanted to retire, he shouldn't have retired because it makes me personally upset. There we go. So Mr. Brady, son, should have taken into account Alex's feelings. Uh, think about that next time you retire. In How selfish of pro- Probably under a year. Um, yeah, so I guess the... Uh, the retired couch just hit like so much different compared to the off season couch. Um, and he just, he just wasn't having it anymore. Uh, so yeah, that was a, that was, that was a quick retirement. You know, I think that was about a month. And so, you know, that's uh yeah, extremely arbitrary, extremely, he, he might as well have just not said anything. And, uh, so, you know, you, you asked just before we started recording, is this just a giant publicity stunt? Um, I don't know. See, I, and I, and I said, I think he seems legitimately indecisive and, uh, you know, here we, here we are, flip-flopping. Maybe he just likes the spotlight, you know? Now everybody's talking about it again. Otherwise, we'll be talking about Tom Brady in March. The answer is nobody. I can't imagine playing American football for approximately 20 years uh, and then stopping and relaxing for a little bit and being like, you know what I miss doing? Playing American football. What a psychopath that he would <laughs> want to go back and play that game. Don't understand. And never will. <laughs> Beats me. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, what is it? This is year number 23. He's literally been playing longer than our entire lives. Longer than a lot of these draft picks. Uh, and uh, he's like, he's he's not sick of it. Hey, nut job. Absolute nut job. All right. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah. Anything else you want to say about Tom Brady and his uh, abbreviated retirement? Uh. Well... Maybe the team that he'll be playing on the, down there in Tampa Bay will be better than the hockey team we watched in Tampa Bay oh. this week. Ooh. Because Spicy. Tampa Bay Lightning, a team we wanted to watch because of how good they are, sucks this week, apparently. <laughs> on their Western Canadian road trip of all places, they got absolutely shelled three times in a row. First, 7-4 to the Winnipeg Jets, who just last week, yelled about how much they're terrible. And then 4-1 to the Calgary Flames, who are, of course, very good. And then a 4-1 loss. I think this was their worst game of the entire week. They were they were very bad. And Brian Elliott, of all people, was actually quite good keeping them in it, facing uh, 48 shots on goal. But they lost that one 4-1 as well. Uh, so, I mean, we have seen this team, you know, kind of meander through the regular season and find the new gear in the playoffs recently. Uh, and they are still very comfortably in a playoff spot as are eight teams in the Eastern conference. So it's not like they're in real danger or anything, but 
they will face a very tough first-round matchup, no matter how the rest of the season plays out. Uh, so I'd say uh, this terrible week is cause for concern for the Lightning. Yeah, it's it's sometimes hard to to tell in terms of our perspective because this is literally their first losing streak of the entire season, right? They hadn't gone two games losing in a row. And then when we show up, uh, they decided to play poorly. So you know, our bad uh, to the to the Lightning fans out there. Um, so, but yeah, no. It, it, despite that, even if you're just watching these three games, there is cause for concern because this is not just uh, this is not three games where you know maybe a tight one goal game, bad bounce here and there. Um, this feel this felt like you know they actually got legitimately outplayed by three teams in a row, two of which um, are pretty bad, right, and are of the caliber that you would expect the Lightning to trounce in the playoffs once they get there. Um, so yeah, let's get into that. Um, and, and the reasons why they might be looking so uh, a bit lackluster at this point in the season. So, uh, yeah, they started off with the Jets. Um, and as was the case for basically all three games, they started the game off extremely fucking slow. Like, you know, my first lightning game in a while, I turn it on and they go 12 fucking minutes without a shot on goal against the Winnipeg Jets of all teams. Uh, and yeah, whenever by the time they already they, they, they got their first shot in, uh, which, uh, you know, happened to be a goal, actually, uh, it was already 2 nothing. So, you know, they were down 2 nothing. Uh, it was a bad Kucherov pass on that first goal that led to uh, what Logan Stanley shot. It went off the post and Shifley burned, buried the rebound, made it one nothing. Uh, then the whole fucking team was flat-footed as like Ehlers ran laps around them, uh, and then like Adam Lowry scored on the rebound, make it two nothing. Uh, and then who was it? Dubois with a bad giveaway, uh, and uh, led to a McDonough scoring a goal, make it two one. Um, it was a very eventful first period. I'll, I'll give him that. Um, it ended up being three three by the end of it. You know, trade a few goals. Uh, but, uh, yeah, all this to say, did not start the game off right, which we saw in the other two other games as well. Yeah. Um, one story of this game, well, Andre Vasilevsky did not look good in it. Um, there was one goal, like a Paul Stastny goal that really just kind of trickled through, uh, a, a pretty bad one. Um, later in the Flames game also, uh, he let in two Johnny Gaudreau goals from behind the goal line, Off which is ass. a very oddly specific thing yeah. to happen twice. To happen twice, uh, and I was thinking, like, is Vasilevsky tired? Like we've talked about him over the past several years. Is you know, Matt, Curtis McElhinney was his backup. Now it's Brian Elliott, and he carries such a big load every single playoff game in both of the Stanley Cup runs. And we're all talking about you know how he's a warrior and an Iron Man and this and that. I was thinking. Is he finally getting tired? Has it caught up to him? Uh, and I think it's very reasonable to say maybe it has, especially because his numbers are, over the season, very good. Not Vezina caliber like they have recently been. Uh, and, of course, forever there's been this kind of talk about Stanley Cup hangover and or even like teams that go deep into the playoffs might be more tired than other teams the next season and be worse off because of it, or at least less likely to go deep two years in a row. Um, I wonder if that's happening to the Lightning now, but there's also the fact that both of these last two uh, Stanley Cup runs were in shortened seasons. There was the, you know, abruptly cut short at about 70 games, and then there was the 56-game season last season. So those are two shorter seasons, and maybe that undoes some of the burden, but also the most recent playoff went all the way into July, which is a lot later than you would expect to end. So there are several factors at play here, but I think either way you slice it, uh, it absolutely tracks that Vasilevsky and maybe the rest of the Lightning 
are kind of losing their mojo a bit at this point in the year. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I suspected uh, after watching this this week. It looks like they're tired. Um, and, you know, you mentioned it's been a couple shortened seasons that they won the cup in. But regardless, those are, you know, shortened seasons that they were much longer for the Lightning compared to other teams, right? Uh, you can't take that away. They ended up playing the full slate uh, for, for both seasons. Uh, and, I mean, they, they look tired out there, whether it's the slow starts. And, I mean, I, I saw, you know, I think it was a quip from Killorn earlier this week. And he's talking about how, you know, physically he's fine. But, you know, the mental part is is difficult to get in there night in, night out, um, especially in, you know, like the stretch run this part of the season. We're in the middle of March um, and they've already locked up a playoff spot. Honestly, it won't matter too much, the seating, right? You'll Either way, you'll be playing a quite a challenging Atlantic team. Uh, and yeah, I think that's I think that's I think that the fatigue is definitely something, especially at this point in the season um, where, yeah, well, it's the whole team. I think, you know, you see it in Vasilevsky. I think, you know. They, they haven't invested in a proper backup in a few years now. I mean, well, Brian Elliott was fine against the Oilers. He was pretty good. But other than, other than that, there's no faith in the guy. And uh, so, yeah, no, the, the, the whole team just looks a bit, a bit tired. You know, they're not completely on their game. Also, that you, you also add the fact that, you know, I, I really, like, the depth does not look nearly as good across the board, really, uh, for the entire team. I mean, look at, I, mean, I look at the forward core, uh, and, you know, they obviously, it was, they made, everybody made a big deal about, you know, they lost that Coleman Gourd. Uh, and Gaudreau line, and I, I don't think they've recovered, right? Like, their depth is still, you know, suspect. What, like, is, is Kalorn's playing on, like, the fucking second line? Yeah, I have, like, and, you know, it, it's, who who else? Their third line, Corey Perry's playing on their third line, so it's Pierre-Edouard Belmar. Those are fine pieces, Um, but, you know, certainly I think a step down from what we've seen in the last couple of years. Yeah, that's, I, I completely agree, and I kind of, wonder a little bit why the lightning wouldn't have done what vegas is doing because kucherov was injured earlier in the year point was injured earlier in the year um and maybe it's time that fans of the lightning should have been advocating for using the ltir to your advantage because that's how you won the stanley cup last year stash or one of them on ltir or rotate them in and out kind of like vegas is doing with Stone and Pacioretty and Hadron with Eichel. Uh, and, you know, try and bolster your forward depth because you're going to make the playoffs anyway. So you want to have the best team as possible as you can when you get there. And now instead we see a team where literally everyone is healthy uh, and yet you don't you don't look that good. At least this past week you didn't look that good. I think what Tampa was hoping for after losing uh, Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman in the offseason and the less important Barkley Goudreau uh, was that guys like Ross Colton, Matthew Joseph, Taylor Radish, Boris Kachuk, or some combination of them would step up and fill that role. Corey Perry as well, who's who's been very good this year. He's he's already at 16 goals in 58 games at the age of 36, so he's more than pulling his weight. Um, but I think Brisebois and the Lightning were kind of just crossing their fingers. Of like, all right, these guys in their early, mid-20s who we drafted five years ago, approximately, Hopefully one of them can become, you know, the next Danny Gord and they've been all right, but that type of thing hasn't materialized. Right. And I think you could say the same thing for defense, in particular, Mikhail Sergachev, who's been okay. He's been fine. Right. Um, But, you know, he's still playing on that third pairing and the rest of the defense, you look at the names, obviously you have Hedman, but aside from that, everybody's a bit of a, you know, a shrug. Um, And, and then you have Zach Bogosian. So, uh, you know, that's, that's that. And yeah, no, that like I, you would have loved to see this team make an upgrade 
uh, while leveraging that LTR because yeah, they're healthy now and they don't look. The roster isn't like a lightning s roster, lightning s roster and roster. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I don't know how to feel heading into the playoffs because I feel like I had the same vibes with this team last year heading to the playoffs. And uh, you know they were facing t- facing Florida in the first round, and I was like, I think that this feels like a Florida team because you know maybe the lightning team doesn't blow my socks off nearly as much. And in that case, obviously, I think we all underrated Kucherov a bit. Uh, coming off the injury. Um, but even this time around, I can't imagine picking them over Florida uh, if they were to face each other in whatever the second round. Yeah, last year, I remember I picked Florida over Tampa in that first round matchup. And one of the big reasons why was Victor Hedman had not been very good all season. Uh, and the, the playoffs hit and he turned it on. And did he win the Con Smythe last year? One of the years he did. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, and that combined with the fact that Kucherov came back after having missed the entire season, and they were rolling the entire time. This year, as you said, not only is everyone healthy, Victor Hedman has been outstanding and is almost definitely going to be a Norris finalist if he doesn't win it this year. And yet, uh, they're still kind of, uh, they're coming off a, a, a pretty bad week. And I do think there is a chance that maybe we are overreacting to this bad week because it's the most we've watched the Lightning the entire season. As you said, it's their first losing streak of the year. Um, But yeah, you do compare it to the recent rosters that have won the Stanley Cup. It isn't as good. You compare it to Florida's roster, and I am also definitely uh, taking Florida as the favorite if those two teams face each other. Yeah, I I think so. And I think, uh, you know, even against, uh, I don't remember what the stat was, was exactly, um, but they haven't been great against playoff teams, even in the regular season. And like you know, they've obviously beat up on the on the weaker teams in the league. Um, but you know, you question heading into the playoffs. Uh, do they have that extra gear? And I question whether they have the talent. Um, you know, beyond you know, Hedman, Vasilevsky in that first line. Um, to you know, support them, support those star talents. Uh, when you know, perhaps you know, like this week, I felt like you know, especially that top line didn't have a, such a great week. Um, well, can the rest of the roster compensate for such a for such a thing. Yeah. I want to talk, I don't. I know we're kind of just jumping around to the big picture and not focusing on the three specific games, but in that Winnipeg game, there was one moment, uh, that was a, I, I think it was a Pierre-Luc Dubois goal, but basically, oh no, it was Kyle Connor. It was a shorthanded goal. Yeah. Do you Kucherov. remember the one I'm talking about? Kucherov blew a so tire, Victor right? Hedman basically, hmm? The one where Kucherov completely blew a tire on the, it was a shorthanded goal. Yeah, but yeah. that wasn't the only bad thing that a Lightning player did that on that play because Victor Hedman, with on the power carrying the puck up the ice, uh, slowed down so much and turned around to his forehand and he was like facing towards his own goalie to make a a pass backwards to Kucherov and it was a terrible pass and Kucherov fell down. And Kyle Connor was the first to the puck and scored on the breakaway. And rewatching that play, I I don't think Kucherov just like blew a tire. I think he fell in shock of how bad the pass was because <laughs> it was so far from him that he was like, "Oh, do I reach for it? I could, but there's no way I'll get there. So how do I react to this?" And just wasn't sure what to do and fell over. Uh, and watching the play material, I was like, "Victor Hedman." What are you doing? Why are you like basically stopping, skating up the ice and turning around and making a pass backwards? It was it wasn't like a drop pass. It was like across the ice, and he like ruined all his momentum before making it. It was a, it was a, 
very strange play. Yeah, not 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 the best weeks um, for the for the star players. Um, yeah, I don't. What did did Kucherov that that first line score any goals this week? I don't think so. Um, so you know, not not good at all. Uh, and uh, yeah, Hedman having a Norris worthy candidate, but uh, no, I I hadn't I hadn't caught just how bad that pass was. It was just like LMAO Kucherov completely wiped out. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, that checks out. Hmm. And then, yeah, in that game, uh, Josh Morris, he got an empty netter with five minutes to go, made it 6-3. Uh, then there were two more goals, and it was 7-4. Uh, and, yeah, as you said, the next two games in Alberta, both 4-1 losses. Johnny Gaudreau got a hat trick. And, actually, I noticed um, well, in in Calgary, I apparently, I guess every time Johnny Gaudreau scores, they play Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry, or at least the part of it that goes, Go, Johnny, go, go. Go, Johnny, go, go. And I got to say, not a fan. I think that's incredibly cringe. <laughs> cringe. Um, yeah. I, I, I think having individual goal songs for players is like kind of a dumb idea to begin with because I feel like the whole idea of like a goal song is my team scored, let's sing our song that we have as a fan base about our team scoring. And when you have 20 different songs to choose from, it's like, how do you unite around that? How do you remember all of them? Absolutely. You have no idea what the hell to do if as a, as a fan. Um, it's either you don't know the song or it's, you know, you remember because it's, you know, miserably cringe, uh, like, like the Gaudreau one. <laughs> so, you know, it, it can't, I can't abide by this. I cannot abide by this. You can do a warm-up thing if you want. I don't know, with the individual goal songs, uh, with the individual songs, but don't do it for the goals. Um, you know, if you're trying to get the fan type, you know, if you're trying to get everybody, you know, singing along, you're not going to do that with 23 different goal songs. All right? You know, like it's not, it's not happening. Uh, so uh, I don't know. You're right. It's a good take um, that uh, they should scrap the thing because uh, it only leads to bad vibes. Uh, so yeah, it was one nothing. It was one nothing for a while. You know, I thought it was uh, aside from those questionable Gaudreau goals, Vasilevsky was solid. Markstrom was fantastic. Uh, and so it was one nothing. And then uh, what was it? So you you had a you had a goal by Alex Killorn. A uh, nice little pass from Ross Colton uh, on a rush to tie it up one one. Uh, but then with uh, with under a minute to go in the second period, uh, you know, Zach fucking Bogosian with an awful turnover in his own zone. Uh, and so uh, that leads to a little bit of a cycle. Gojo scores again in exactly the same way. Uh, you'd like for Vasilevsky to, you know, seal the post off there and not have it go off his ass for a second time in the game. Uh, but then the real dagger came like seconds later. This is all like with a less than a minute left in the, in the second period. Uh, and the Lightning can't get out of their zone. They get pinned in for a full like 20, 30 seconds. Uh, and then uh, it was it was Backlund, right, who, who tipped it in a shot from the point. Or it was like a shot pass from Good Branson. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was 3-1 at that point. Couldn't get any offense generated in the third period. And uh, they left Johnny Gaudreau unmarked at the side of the net about midway through the third period. He snipes it in, makes a 4-1. And uh, yeah, no, it was, it was flames all the way. Lightning honestly couldn't really get anything going uh, to make a push to tie it up. Yeah, I also had a note about Jakob Markstrom being being great. And I was looking into some goalie stats, and I'm I'm fairly confident this one of the year on the three Vezina finalists. I think Markstrom is one of them, along with uh, Freddie Anderson and the winner Igor Shesterkin. Th- those are my takes. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Uh, and so I can attest, Markstrom's been fantastic for my fantasy team, but also in general. Uh, so yeah, no, the Flames, Flames are oh, fucking Oh, you know what I realized? Teams. Yeah. You know what I realized? I left Tyson Berry on my IR yesterday, and he got uh, seven fantasy points. 
and I didn't have them. Disgusting. And in, in a week where you're you're pretty tight up against your opponent, so uh, I am probably not going to win. That's tough. He, I'll let I'll it's just let the audience. Know. I'll just let the audience know that this opponent is inactive and has left like seventy fucking points on the bench, and uh, he still May might I, find the way. I am somehow in our twelve team <laughs> league in second place, okay. fourteen five and one in our head to head league. And yet, when you sort the standings by actual fantasy points, I'm now I'm in fifth. <laughs> I am my team is not good at all, and my best defenseman Miro Haskinen. I'm going to repeat that. My best defenseman <laughs> Miro Haskinen is now uh, out for a while because he has mono. Oh, my other man. defense, actually, John Klingberg is now my uh, highest. Uh, points fantasy points per game defenseman and i got him off the waiver wire uh and he, he's he's not very good either uh my klingberg tyson berry evan bouchard oh actually no evan bouchard sorry is my highest uh fantasy <laughs> points per game defenseman and i also got him off the wait wait i got so right now i still have hayskin and tyson berry sitting on ir my ford Oh wait, no! I also got Philip Ronick now on my team. So here, yeah, listen, listen up. Time, time for f- fantasy hour. So my goaltending, very solid. Igor Shesterkin, best in the world. Darcy Kemper, awesome. Jonathan Quick is also on my team. And then our f- forwards, great times. Ovechkin, Rantanen, Malkin, Alex Tuck is rocking world. Jonathan Marchessault, Jordan Cairo, Elias Pettersson's gotten better lately. Evander Kane, Joe Pavelski rocks. Taylor Hall and I got Drake Batherson on my IR and I'm I think I named them all. Did I say Taylor Hall? If I didn't, it doesn't really matter. Anyway, defenseman Miro Haskinen out. Tyson Berry back now. Evan Bouchard I got off the waiver wire. John Klingberg same thing. Noah Hannafin same thing. Oliver Shillington same thing. Philip Ronick same same thing. I own the rights to seven defensemen and none of them are any good. And yet <laughs> I'm in second place. And yet. I have the fifth most points in the league, and I'm about to lose this week. Truly enigmatic. An, en- an enigmatic team over here. Um, you know, if the chips had fallen differently, if your team hadn't lucked out for 20 weeks in a row, you may be sitting outside of a playoff spot. Um, but, uh, you know, here we are. And uh, second place off the back of uh, some good luck. Anyways, so so that's that's Fantasy Corner for this week. Uh, and uh, as for the, the, the Lightning, speaking of Tyson Berry, uh, he, you know, was he healthy? He was not healthy for that game, I don't think. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, he was. He was. He, he did. Sure he was. And he got oh, two yes. assists. He had a horrid fucking pass that led to the uh, the Bogosian goal. Anyways, um, so yeah, the, the Oilers, they showed up, uh, or the Lightning did, showed up in Edmonton. Uh, and uh, yeah, they were subjected to Connor McDavid, who scored a... Uh, pretty insane goal to start the game uh, where the Lightning were flat-footed yet again. Uh, and speaking of flat-footed, so was Victor Hedman on that fucking goal because he got completely turnstiled. Uh, now I understand it's Connor McDavid and, you know, he can take it up a notch, uh, but he made him look silly. Like, I don't know, he looked terrible. Uh, so that was one nothing. Then you had uh, McDavid. They scored again. Uh, nice shot on the power play. Uh, keeping it 2 nothing, And, you know, a whole bunch of chances for the Oilers there. And thanks to Brian Elliott, they were, he still kept it 2 nothing. But it was pretty, you know, I was like, what the hell is going on here? This is the Edmonton Oilers. Stop getting, you know, stop getting, uh, what is it, bag skater or whatever the hell, uh, run amok. Uh, and uh, so that was that. 
Bogosian scored a goal uh, from the point after, you know, a terrible Tyson Berry pass, as he does in his own end. Um, and then they had a five on three. And it was like, oh, man, this is this is it. You know, you were down two nothing, um, but you got a five on three. You got five forwards out. You got your, your studs, uh, everyone out there. Uh, and they just couldn't really generate anything special. And they didn't score any goals. Uh, and then, you know, lo and behold, like just a few minutes later, or very shortly after, you had a, a bad turnover in the offensive zone. Drysaddle takes it the other way on a breakaway, you know, shakes Elliott's pants off, and then it's three to one. Kyler Yamamoto scores, make it four to one. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's the game. No other offensive output from the Lightning. Yeah, this, this was the game where I was like, man, the Lightning look totally lost. I mentioned, I alluded to this earlier, that Brian Elliott was quite good in this game. And, you know, when you notice Brian Elliott making several impressive saves, Brian Elliott's team is probably having a pretty bad night. Yep. And I can't even I can't even think of any particularly impressive thing Miko Koskinen did in this game. And he only gave up one goal. So that's quite a terrible indictment of how the Lightning played in this one. Um, and you'd, you'd think that, you know, the Lightning, after losing two games pretty badly, that they're the type of team that would bounce back you have a bounce back performance against a middling team like the Oilers on the Saturday night. And yet we kind of saw the opposite thing happen that the, the downward trend continued. Yep. That's right. Um, they just, they, I don't know what it is. It's a lack of mental acuity uh, that they can't, you know, seem to generate really any stretch of offense. Like it was just, you know, off the, they got a few nice rush chances here and there, but you know, they, they never really hemmed any of these teams in their zone for an extended period of time. There was no extended offensive play, uh, you know, m- maybe a bit, you know, after they, they got their first shot in the Jets game. And, you know, that 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 period that went back and forth, that was nice. Uh, but aside from that, they looked completely dead in the water. It was just they were always on their heels, making silly plays in their own defensive zone uh, and just kind of sitting sitting on their heels. Um, and that seemed to be all week. And they, it was never they, you never saw that offensive dominance from the Lightning, particularly from their top line. And I thought that was, uh, it was remarkable because it was like, well, you know, you have Point and Kucherov sitting on the same line. You have Palat, who's not a bad contributor himself. Uh, and uh, they couldn't get anything going this week. Is it just a bad week? Um, is this a, a, a greater trend that needs to be a, a greater concern? Not too sure. We'll keep track of the situation. Uh, but, uh, you know, certainly a red flag. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lightning players were, well, maybe, I guess, subconsciously, like, we are going to make the playoffs and we want to rest up for them. So we will take our foot off the gas and relax a little bit and play worse down the stretch. And for pretty much any other team, that'd be a major concern. But I feel like the Lightning have earned the benefit of the doubt on that, especially considering their own front office basically did that each of the past couple of years. You know, notably last year with Nikita Kucherov keeping an LTIR like, oh yeah, we're, you know, we're deliberately not at full strength now. Because we're saving it up for the playoffs. Even if the Lightning called a meeting, like the players called a meeting with their coaching staff, and Steven Stamkos was like, we are going to try less hard during the end of the regular season because we want to save our energy. I think they'd be totally justified in doing so and having earned uh, the belief that, all right, I believe you. I believe you're going to you know, find that extra gear when it matters because that's what they've done each of the past two years. Um, however, I imagine that if they are doing that, they're not doing that on purpose. Right. And that's the concern. Um, and you know, can they turn it on in time when it comes to the playoffs? Because it's gonna, because yeah, it, it is a coast 
for the rest of the season, right? And you, at this point, you have like three or three weeks to just kind of tune yourself up to, uh, or about a month uh, to, you know, tune it up, get yourself ready for the playoffs. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be a significant step up. I mean, like regular season teams, half of which are, you know, completely out of it and pretty checked out mentally. Uh, and then, you know, day one, you're going to be facing, I don't know, who is it going to be? The uh, Probably the Toronto Maple Toronto. Um, so, you know, it's a step up. Now, Toronto in its own right in the first round, looking how they are right now. Uh, you know, can't say too much about that, but uh, but not, nevertheless, they would still need to theoretically in the playoffs turn it on very quickly, and uh, you know, you question it sometimes, you question it sometimes, and uh, but it is the lightning though, so yeah, you know, there you, you can't count them out exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's it on this on this team, and I want to move on to all the trades that happened this week because, as we said last week. We thought there would be trades, and oh boy, were there. Oh, wait a second. There were none. Remember remember last week when we were making fun of, like, all oh, the only two trades this week were Michael McNeven for nothing and Alex Stalock for nothing. Oh, there's more next week. Well, guess what? <laughs> there isn't. I, I, I yearn for the days of <laughs> one week ago when we had two whole trades of minor league goalies for future considerations. Alas, nothing. But uh, we do have, we did have some transactions this week, not of the trade variety, but of the contract extension variety. Um, three notable ones that are confirmed, and one notable one that is not allowed to be official until after the trade deadline next week. Which which one catches your eye? Where where do we want to go first? I don't know. Do we save the best for last? Because I have one that that's my particular favorite. Um, maybe we'll go a bit chronologically. I feel like it's a logical place to go. You got to build it up. So, uh, I'm going to pick the Jared McCann contract because that's pretty, it's talk, you know, it's worth talking about, but not the most exciting thing. Um, so yeah, you know, Jared McCann, not much else to celebrate on the Kraken, but Jared McCann's had himself a very nice season, um, because he's a very good player. And so they've rewarded him with a five year, $5 million contract. And, uh, yeah, that seems about right for Jared McCann. Um, who, uh, yeah, as I said, only one of the only bright spots on this dog shit Kraken team and uh, certainly worth the contract. And uh, yeah, I was thinking, I saw that, I saw this contract and I was like, man, the Leafs could really use this player. And I know. then uh, I had myself a hearty laugh. Yeah, I will Hall. never think of Jared McCann ever again in my entire life without thinking about how the Leafs had literally had him on the team and could have had him instead of Justin Hall, who has been bad this year. And instead, they don't. And some people, I saw someone trying to compare, like, Alexander Kerfoot's actually doing a little better than Jared McCann this year. And it was like, great, they could have had both of them. <laughs> uh, that's not really the comparison anyone was making. Uh, because they were actually both exposed. And the, the logic behind getting McCann was, all right, great. Now we uh, are either losing McCann or Kerfoot. But either way, we have that type of player on our lineup. Uh, but they could have had both, and instead they don't. Anyway, my first reaction on this new contract with the Kraken uh, was that this feels a little bit like an instance of bad team overvalues their best players because they're their best players. Uh, because you put Jared McCann on a Stanley Cup contending team, that's obviously not your first-line center. And he's uh, probably, you know... A, maybe a second line center, or probably a second line winger, or like an extremely high end third line center. Um, but apparently, I was a little bit mistaken 
on how good Jared McCann is, uh, because not only are his uh, is his production excellent this season, uh, he has 23 goals already in 53 games. Um, I think it was Jay Fresh who, on his little fun chart, had him in the 96th percentile of wins above replacement, which is extremely excellent. And I see that number and I go, oh, I guess Jared McCann's pretty good. And I think about it a little more, even from that initial reaction of, oh, did they overpay for this guy just because he's the best on their bad team? If it had been anything less than five, my first reaction probably would have been, damn, that's that's a bargain quite clearly. So I think the Kraken made out pretty nicely on this after upon, upon my reevaluation. Yeah, it's a solid one. He's only 25 years old, uh, and uh, yeah, no, he's 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 a bona fide top six player, and you can't, you know, on, on any team, honestly. And uh, so yeah, I think the contract checks out. And uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's unbelievable that the, what the Leafs were thinking there. I have no idea what the other doing. Um, you have a 30 year old Justin Hall, or you can have both Kerfoot and McCann. If you don't, if you can't afford them both, you know, shed Hall and then tr- you you can trade for Kerfoot. You can trade Kerfoot. For you know a Justin Hall esque player, that is a hundred percent confirmed because Justin Hall just isn't very is just isn't very good. So uh, you know, uh, so that is uh, an L to say the least uh, by Kyle Dubis. But uh, good for Jeremy McCann. secures the bag, uh, and good for the Kraken. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, wait, to wait, the, yeah. Before we're gonna talk about the Kraken a little more later because we're doing the guess who about them spoilers, which actually. You probably already knew that because I put it in the description every week what team we do the guess who about. But anyway, um, I was looking at their cat friendly page, you know, when I was putting together my spreadsheet for the guess who, and I was typing in all the ages, and I was like, "This is a brand new team. Why is everyone like twenty nine and up and signed for several years?" All right, first of all, no one knew Philip Grubauer was going to be this bad, but he's thirty and signed for almost six million dollars. Till 2027 that is that is that is a nightmare situation uh and it's even worse than anyone could have predicted it would be jamie alexiak 29 years old 4.6 million dollars till 2026 adam larson 29 years old 4 million dollars till 2025 Jaden schwartz 29 years old five and a half million dollars until 2026 it's like they deliberately put themselves in cap hell by <laughs> tying themselves down to these players who are in their very, very late 20s or early 30s, um, but like $4 million and up immediately. They were like, this is what we're building our team around. They had a totally blank slate, and they said, this is exactly what we want to, to deliberately do. Yep. It, and it, it's it, working out terribly, <laughs> and I don't see how they could possibly turn it around. They, I mean, they have pieces. I imagine they're going to sell off at the deadline. Giordano, you'll get a nice haul. Cal Yarncroft, Marcus Johansson. Colin Blackwell, but they didn't stock up on draft picks. They have one extra pick this year, and it's Calgary's fourth rounder from the Tyler Pitlick trade. So they have eight picks in this next next draft, nine the year after for a team that's near last in the entire league and should be rebuilding. That's not enough, and not to mention because you're new, you have literally eight prospects. You have eight prospects in your entire organization, so things are looking extremely bleak for the Kraken. And uh, I got to say, they could not have fumbled this start to their franchise any worse if they tried. Yeah, no, I, I, the, the non-roster section of the Kraken's page, always hilarious. 
um, because you're right, it's like 10 people and, and you have other teams where it stretches down the page. Um, but here, it, you know, it fits. You don't even need to zoom out or any shit. Um, and it falls in. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, the, the Kraken just horribly mismanaged from from day one. Uh, you know, to, to have Ron France to say, oh, we're going to value cap space so much. Um, it's going to be worth, you know, fucking gold. And then to turn around and give these absolutely horrid contracts to everyone who's, you know, over the, you know, like anyone over the age of 28 who breeds um, and who's somewhat good at hockey. Uh, it, 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 you know, it does, it's completely contradictory. Uh, and it, it seems like he's just done a full 180 uh, on his initial, uh, you know, strategy and makes the question whether it was an actual strategy at all. Um, and, you know, you obviously look at the fact that he didn't get anything done uh, at the expansion uh, draft where, you know, he had like fucking Carson Torinsky and other players that, you know, like Vitek Vancha goes right back to, to Washington and all this shenaniganery players that they don't get. Who is it? Gavin Bayruth or two, you know, like nonsense like that. For getting and got nothing in terms of, in terms of their draft capital in return, uh, and then and then you have this nonsense. So you know it's just a horrible, horrible management of the expansion team in general by Ron Francis. Uh, and uh, yeah, here we are, a shit team with you know not a great outlook at all, loaded with bad contracts. When yeah, you had a clean slate like eight months ago. Yep. Uh, anyway. Next deal, I don't remember exactly the order it happened, but perhaps you can rise up in order of importance and yep. move on to Joe Pavelski. Yeah, sure. Uh, this was an interesting one. We were talking all last week, previewing the deadline, about how Dallas should be selling, despite the fact they're probably going to make the playoffs. It looks like, at the very least, Pavelski is not going to be amongst the players they are selling because they signed him to a one-year deal, $5.5 million dollars, I got to say for I know he's 37 years old but for just one extra year beyond this one based on how well he's scoring this year five and a half million dollar cap it seemed lower than I probably would have guessed I wouldn't have been at all surprised if it was like we'll give you another year at the seven million that you're making right now and I would have thought you know that's fair so this is good value for Dallas I also can't help but think it's Jim Neal kind of going I don't want to sell you now because we're probably going to make the playoffs Maybe we'll be worse next year, and I'll sell you then. Yeah, no, I, I don't like this move. Like, in a vacuum, this Pavelski contract is a nice business, as you said, you know? Um, he takes a $1.5 million pay cut, and he's fantastic. He's been awesome this year. He was awesome last year, uh, and, you know, he's just he, he has aged tremendously uh, and, and plays very well for the Stars. Um, but the fact is, as we said last week, this team is not built to contend in the present. Uh, and... You could have gotten one hell of a return for Joe Pavelski. You know, even just rental Joe Pavelski. Uh, and if you want, you could have been like, hey, man, you want to come back next year? You know, on this five and a half million dollar deal. And, you would, you know, and it would have been great. Would have been absolutely fantastic. Um, and yeah, no, it just feels like he doesn't, Jim Nill doesn't want to press the rebuild button when he knows that objectively that this team is not going to contend this year. And he needs the draft picks to continue to supplement this roster that's relatively young or at least that core that we talked about um so i i don't like this i like the contract's fine and i'm 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 totally on board with signing joe pavelski for five and a half million dollars next year uh especially for that term at one year um but to keep him and to pass up it's the opportunity cost for me that i hate for dallas right now yeah uh i have a little question for you two questions actually first what is joe pavelski's career high in points do you know no, I have, I have no idea. I'm going to say 75. The answer is 79. Oh. Back in the 
13-14 season. How many points is he on pace for this year, assuming he doesn't miss a game the rest of the way? I don't know. 80? 86. All right. Jesus At the age of 37. <laughs> Holy crap. He's on yeah. pace to, to pass his career high in points by seven points. He's over a point a game right now. He's got 60 points in 57 games. And Dallas, who, as we went over in great detail last week, has no uh, real reasonable shot at winning a Stanley Cup this year, passed up on the chance to uh, to get a massive haul of futures for him. Yep, that's right. Um, yeah, for a guy that's, you know, on pace for 86 points, just imagine, just imagine what he could get. Um, that, that man, if I'm a Dallas Stars fan, I'm, I'm kind of pissed. I'm kind of pissed. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, but good for Joe Pavelski, though. Jesus Christ, huh? <laughs> for a celebra- for a career as good as that, um, to keep it going and to seem to continually improve, uh, that's, that's wild. Yeah, and also, like, in his first year with Dallas after this deal, it kind of looks like he was lost. He had, like, 31 points or something in, in 50 games. We're like, oh, yeah, here comes the decline. Then, boom, the very next year, all of a sudden, he's, like, as good as he's ever been or maybe even better. Yeah. And I, what is it? Did he? Did, I think he may have like retooled his game, um, to to complement the, the situation that he's in. Um, so he doesn't have to be necessarily the play driver. Just he can use his smarts a little bit more, and so maybe that's why his game has aged, um, better that or even just improved over a few years. Um, but yeah, it looks like he's found his 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 kind of career path moving forward. Um, as he as he ages out, and it's it's working for him really well, better than it ever has apparently. Yep. He should have been doing this the whole time. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, uh, next up, we have Carolina Hurricanes offer sheet man, Gisberi Kotkaniemi, who's not allowed to sign a contract extension till after the trade deadline for some reason. But apparently, the agreement is already in place. It's an eight-year contract, and it pays him somewhere between, reportedly, Four point two five and four point five million dollars per year, and the consensus on this seems to be: Wow, you locked this guy up throughout his entire prime uh, at what will, if he reaches his potential, possibly be a steal. And I was kind of surprised that that was the consensus because I know he's only twenty one, but up until this point, Isberry Kakanyemi has shown. Nothing in the NHL anywhere close to being a $4.5 million caliber player. He has spent much of this season on the with the Hurricanes on the fourth line. And the only reason he is able to get this contract, in my opinion, is because he had a tremendous amount of leverage because of the fact that his qualifying offer at the end of the season would have been... Uh, about six and a half million dollars, I think, of a one-year contract. So if he hadn't signed, Carolina's options would have been offer him that, and he definitely signs it because that's way over market value, or let him walk, and then you just gave up a first and third round pick to offer sheet him last summer for nothing, uh, or you trade him to another team who would have the exact same dilemma. So instead, now you give him this long-term security, and you give him. Uh, those eight years with that number that he is comfortable with. And I am not confident at all 
that he's actually going to be able to live up to it. And this is kind of what we all foresaw when Carolina offersheeted him in the first place. Like, what's what's your plan here besides just, you know, getting getting even with Mark Bergevin? Because I don't see a situation where this is a smart move for you. And now I kind of see uh, myself being proven correctly by this contract that I, I don't think will pan out. Yeah, I think the thing is, um, the way I see it is that it's it's just they're swinging for the fences with this deal. And that's, you know, they, their hand was also kind of forced because of the whole leverage situation um, where Cockney may have guys all the leverage. Um, but, you know, they, they leave the door open. They're really just betting on themselves, their ability to develop the guy, put him in a good role to succeed. Um, because there is a scenario in which, you know, $4.82 million, if he really develops, becomes a steal. Um, it's just that it's not... It's not a deal where we look at it and are like, oh, what a steal, what a bargain for, for the Carolina Hurricanes, right? Um, and it's really just, it's a deal. It's like, it's meh. Like, you know, it, it is how I see it. It's okay, right? You got the business done. Uh, and it's nothing, it's nothing particularly egregious, I would say, you know, at this point in time. But it's not a bargain either. Um, and it just, it just, I feel like it, it, it's like it's an okay contract and it, it just falls on the extremely volatile uh end of the, you know, volatility contract spectrum because, you know, a lot of these deals you'll see, okay, we'll sign them for, I don't know, three years at $5 million and whatever. And it's like, okay, well, either way, there's, you know, either way, the, the contract will probably just end up being in the middle of the road when you look back on it. Uh, when it comes to this one, uh, I feel like it averages out to be a meh contract, but you from eight years from now, there's going to be a definitive, you know, great on this contract. It's going to be that it was awful and it hamstrung the, 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 the hurricanes cap situation for, you know, the back half of it, or maybe even longer, or that they got, you know, a, their second line center locked up for under $5 million with a cap going up every year after this flat cap era ends. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't view this deal particularly favorably or unfavorably. It's just, I think it's just particularly volatile and something that we don't see uh, with these kind of contracts in the NHL. Yeah. I think like this, comes across as, as you say, like kind of a big risk, but based on the options they had in front of them, which you kind of just laid out, this was definitely the best option. However, the circumstances didn't fall out of the sky. The Hurricanes foresaw this when they offered you to Kakaniemi in the first place, that they were going to have to kind of take this big risk. Uh, and they just didn't have to do that. They forced themselves into this situation where they have to go, Okay, hope this works out for the next eight years. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's how. It, like, I think Don Waddell and that you know management group is okay with that risk, and they had to have been. They had to have foreseen it, because yeah, you're right. It didn't fall out of the sky. They didn't change. They didn't get the rules changed on them. Uh, they knew this was exactly the situation they were going to be facing heading into this off season. So, you know, it seems that they're okay with it. And if that's you know if that's the the bed they want to make, well, that's that's fine. Like, I don't think that's a particularly positive or a negative thing to do. They want to go, you know, risky and really try to make a run out of it uh, with the score of the next few years. You know, I don't I don't think that's, you know, a genius move, but I don't think it's particularly stupid either. I just think it's they want to play it risky. And I think that's, well, you know, that's the way they want to play it. They're so lucky that Freddie Anderson is playing like a Vesna goalie this year. They're so they lucked. They're so lucky that that that, you know, took the uh the roasting out of that Nadalchkovic trade because yeah. that was still terrible. And Freddie Anderson could still kind of, you know, he's 32 years old. So next season, does it all disappear? Possibly. And does Nadalchkovic, you know, grow into a, a better goalie? Very possibly. And all of a sudden that's back on the table. Uh, but at least for now, the Hurricanes are kind of avoiding the wrath on that. And they're very lucky about it. Yeah, they don't, they don't, 
They they got rid of the goalie who scores goals into his own net. You saw that <laughs> with Nedrod covers this week. Um, oh no, I didn't. Oh okay, no, he looked very. It was like a, a dump in, um, and it was a bouncing puck, and he just kind of whacked at it. It was going well wide of the net, and he just whacked at it, hit a stick, and went right between his legs into the net for Oof. a wild goal. It was brutal. You gotta check it out later. Uh, it was, I think, the worst goal we've seen in a while, maybe a couple of years, um, because that was that was a horrid own goal. Um, so that that was great. Not having a great season, There's been but he a is lot of own goals lately, haven't there? Yeah, there have. In, in just Habs games, there was one yesterday uh, against the the Kraken. Suzuki kind of like uh, tossed the puck towards the net, in, like the final three minutes or so. And uh, who was it on the Kraken? Oh, I don't remember. Someone kind of just swung at it, and it went uh, past Grubauer. And I didn't the exact same thing happen. Uh oh, like earlier in the same game. I'm getting games mis- mixed up, but I can very vividly. I might be getting games mi- mixed up, but I can very vividly remember like two different own goals and halves. Anyway, this is boring me just trying to remember sp- specifics of own goals. And let's move on now. Why don't we? To our favorite contract. To to everyone's favorite contract. Yeah. It's not quite as expensive as I kind of predicted it would be, but it is still <laughs> a gross Beautiful. overpayment for who is among the very worst players in the entire National Hockey League. Rasmus Ristolainen, 27 years old, has been signed to a five-year extension Paid $5.1 million AAV every single season. And this man is just a highlight reel of terrible defensive plays. You could you could Twitter search him. You could find them all. One that sticks in my head is when he, at his own blue line, the other team was rushing. And he kind of went for a hit, like at the actual blue line, missed. And then the other team had just like a, an extremely easy three-on-one. And I was like, wow, that's a terrible defensive play. I wonder if he does things like that frequently. Turns out he does. The other team scores often when Rasmus Ristolainen is on the ice. And if they don't score, then they often come close. And he is right near the extreme bottom in the league in defensive metrics. And he doesn't have such a great offensive output either. Two goals this year and 15 points. And for everyone who said maybe he's just playing too much in Buffalo, getting too many hard matchups, maybe he just needs to go to a better team. Well, he joined a new team, and all of a sudden, that team is not a better team anymore, and the Sabres are actually better than the Flyers. Yep. Uh, no, this is uh, awful from day one, and it was awful. You could see it was a train wreck that you could see coming from, you know, a significant ways away. Uh, yeah, we we knew. It. The rumors were coming out that, oh, maybe $6 million. So thank God it wasn't that for the Flyers' sake. Uh, but yeah, Chuck, Chuck Fletcher is smoking something. Uh, and whatever it is, he hasn't stopped smoking it since he made that trade in the first place uh, with the Sabres last offseason. Um, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. This is one of those things like Cody CC-esque in terms of I can't see the rationale for this. I, I, don't, I don't understand how you can possibly convince yourself that this guy is worth locking up for five years. Five years. It's not even like a, you know, like a little bridge contract, two, three years, whatever. Five years at $5.1 million when he's clearly, by any metric and by any eye test, one of the worst defensemen in the NHL. He, what does he do for you? He's big. He shoots the puck, not particularly well, but he does it frequently. And he just blows the defensive zone all the time. And I, I just don't get it. I, like, I, I would like to understand 
much like the Cody Cece situation, much like many of these defensive situations, but especially with this one, what the hell are you thinking? Uh, when you look on the ice night in, night out, you're watching your own team play, and you're like, this is a guy I want on my team. You know, Not to mention just acquiring him in the first place, but then to extend him. It's not like he's had a good season this year. Well, well you can't forget, he was an eighth overall pick, so he must be good. He was drafted super high nine years ago. Yeah. He's great. <laughs> Uh, actually you make the yeah. comparison to cc i i don't even think that's fair because cody cc in the limited time in his career he spent playing in the third pairing he's been he's been decidedly effective and a positive contributor the problem is that when he was on ottawa and toronto and now edmonton after leaving pittsburgh they play him in the top four and he's bad ristolainen i mean i mean i guess he hasn't really played on any bottom pairing ever uh, so we don't really have that knowledge, but he has never, like CC has, had even a season of being productive and being helpful. He has just been constantly playing too much and being bad while doing it. Yep. Um. There's just there's just no net positive that you can see coming out of this, and you know you can't rationalize uh like a Cody CC that maybe you can shelter him on the third pair, um because uh you paid him like second pair at at least uh kind of money at five million dollars uh and uh yeah this is the kind of deal where you look at it and like man you if you could have found a like a trade partner to trade this guy recoup some assets from the nonsense that you pulled last offseason at the deadline that's fine you know and then whatever we'll call it a day move on um but to chain yourself to rasmus ristolainen the rasmus fucking ristolainen uh it doesn't compute with me it is truly absurd and it's the kind of shit that makes you say you know like i could do this better I could do this better than Chuck Letcher. He's such a clown. I could a thousand percent do better than this guy. Uh, and I, I, I still maintain that this just further, you know, supports that that theory. And not only that, but apparently this Ristolainen contract has now led to like Travis Sanheim trade rumors. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think anything's imminent. But I remember at least someone was being like, "Oh, now with Ristolainen, you know, locked up, maybe the Flyers are going to like move Sanheim." Oh God. Uh, who is one of the extremely few bright spots on the Flyers' entire team this year. Um, and, wow. I mean, if they go that route, if they see Travis Hanneman and Rasmus Ristolainen actually play together a lot of the time, and the fact that Travis Sanheim is still able to have pretty decent metrics despite that is, is, a, is a miracle, honestly. Uh, he plays, he actually has a higher average time on ice per game than Ristolainen. He has scored more than Ristolainen, despite being more of a uh, having more of a you know defensive defenseman kind of uh, pedigree. He assigned for under five million dollars for another season after this one, and I guess if the Flyers want to go full rebuild, perhaps this is a very valuable chip that you would want to trade and get a lot of assets for, but. If you are saying we have Ristolainen, so we don't need this guy anymore in our in our path to ultimate success, then you are you are. I was I was going to say in, incorrect, but I'm trying to come up with a stronger word for just how dumb that would be. Completely delusional. All right, that's what it is. Uh, and uh, no, y- y- you're right. 
because like it's the mindset is completely off if you're trying to sell Sandheim. It's not a rebuild to recoup assets, like to gain assets for a you know a rebuilding future. It's oh we don't have the cap space for him anymore because we're trying to compete max out our cap space uh, because we have Rasmus Ristolainen now. Sorry, Travis Sandheim, we're not space for you. Um, and that is the greatest indictment of Chuck Fletcher, who I still can't believe uh, is still the general manager of the Flyers. Um, because I don't know how you can continually mismanage this whole situation. Apparently, you know, they've got the, they're trying to keep the, the broad street bullies fucking mindset on this team. Uh, and yeah, I can't possibly like, I can't even, you know, imagine, you know, subscribing to such a, uh, you know, antiquated and incorrect uh, way to manage a hockey team. And it's, it's, <laughs> they're, they're fucked. They're completely fucked with this guy at the home for the next God knows how many years. Yeah, just to set my sources, this wasn't some nobody. This was verified blue check Darren Dreger back on ah. March 10th saying, Some wondering if Risto extension opens the door to a Travis Sanheim trade either before the deadline or in the offseason. He would be pretty high on a few teams' target lists. A uh, few teams' target lists. Teams, by the way, is T E M. T, sorry, T-E-A-M-S with no apostrophe. Left shot, $4.675 cap hit through next season. Um, so this isn't like anything concrete. This is just Dreger saying, some people are wondering if this might happen. So I don't predict that it will. And yet, this tweet has 274 likes and 193 quote tweets. So people are uh, are quite interested about the possibility of this. Right. Uh, and if you're a general manager at this point, you got to call Chuck Fletcher. You know, you got to see what the price is. Uh, and you got to keep tabs on him the entire time. Um, because, uh, yeah, if he'll sign Rasmus Ristolainen to this kind of contract, who knows what else he'll do. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a remarkable feat of engineering uh, to, 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 to constantly do bad things like this. Baffling. Yep. Uh, so... There have been no trades this week. I think Bob McKenzie said it's been, or someone, I don't know if it was Bob, said it's been extremely quiet, which is concerning, perhaps. <laughs> uh, and someone asked, I think this was Bob McKenzie, or maybe Friedman, someone, some insider, was asked, like, is this going to be a slow deadline? When are the deals going to start? And they replied, like, uh, I think deals will will happen later in the week or something. And I was like, fuck, I hope so. <laughs> like, what's the other option? Uh, uh, I wonder if this is either shaping up to be what we all kind of wanted or want in general, which is that the last couple days before the deadline and deadline day itself are extremely intense. And perhaps this, you know, uh, lull in activity in the weeks leading up to it is what we need to make that happen. Or do you feel as though uh, we should start lowering our expectations and that maybe GMs just aren't feeling it this year and aren't in the mood to make any deals? Man, I feel like in general, we should be always lowering our expectations uh, <laughs> so we can only be pleasantly surprised uh, or just have our expectations met. Um, I don't know, but like the, the recent trend that we've seen is that teams like to you know, get in early, get these, get these players acclimated, you know, get, get your additions out of the way, see how they fit. Uh, see if you needed to do anything else closer to the deadline. Uh, and the fact that nobody has done that basically, aside from, you know, taking a flyer on Michael McNeven, uh, is concerning. <laughs> it is concerning as a fan of trades in general. Um, and I do think 
like I think with the way the NHL, the trades have been shaping up over the last few years, the fact that there haven't been any right now is a red flag. And I don't think we should just be telling ourselves like, oh, don't worry. They're just saving it for the uh, to make an entertaining deadline um, because, you know, these people don't work for TSN. So uh, I don't think they concern themselves with that. And so, you know, uh, I am I am lowering my expectations officially. I'm putting it on the record. All right. Yeah. We were talking about last year. We were talking last week about how last year on deadline day, there were only 12 deals. Uh, I did kind of neglect to mention that the night before was actually like a very eventful night. That was in the Taylor Hall trade happened. Nick Foligno, several others. There were like Jeff Carter. There were like five or six trades like the evening before. Um, so I would say last year's deadline was like average over when you compare it to like those of the past 10 years or so. Um, what do you say the number is of deals on like the the deadline day and the day before compared to last year's off the top of my head? I don't know, about 18 to 20. Do we think it's like 15? Are we that, lowering that, our, our expectations that, that much? That was the number I had in mind. Uh, 15. Like, you know, maybe like maybe 12 considerable trades where I'm not like counting the, oh, you know, I don't know, Ian Cole for a seventh or that kind of vibe, you know? Um, it's like, yeah. 12 decent ones, 15 in total. Um, and I don't understand why. Like, you know, we have such a stratification in the NHL this year, uh, especially in the Eastern Conference, particularly in the Eastern Conference with, you know, eight teams already out of it. And I don't understand why teams are just completely fucking selling the farm. It's better than nothing. Better than nothing that these players I have a walk. theory. Yep. I have a theory. So you know how, like, the world around us and is a period of utter crisis that's getting worse and worse by the day? Yes. I think NHL general managers, as everyone else, uh, is cognizant of that fact, and it weighs down on them, and sometimes it makes them tired, and they don't feel like doing their jobs, and so they say, ha, huh, make a trade. Do I have to? Does it really matter? Maybe I'll just, you know, go take a nap or something. I and that's know. why we're seeing less action. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I don't want to be too generalized too much about these GMs. Um, but, you know, knowing what we do, would I, uh, you know, characterize them as particularly plugged into this current state of world affairs uh, to the point where they would face existential fatigue? Um, I doubt it. I got to say, I doubt it. Uh, and I think they just don't feel like trading this year or some other dumb shit. Uh, and not, uh, I'm tired of the world ending. Like, I, I just don't think the, the general managers had that kind of awareness. Um, personally, that's my opinion. Maybe I'm generalizing, you know? I, I think that's definitely a, a valid stance to take, for sure. Um, but anyway, though, like, uh, a week from today, when I guess we'll record next, will be a day before the deadline. Ooh. You would have to think <laughs> that there will be trades between now and then for us to discuss uh <laughs> depending on how busy we are we could potentially also do like a short one like monday evening uh or we could just wait until the next sunday to go over all the deals we hadn't talked about and we'd also at that point be able to discuss how they've gelled in with their new teams yeah we'll figure it out on the schedule um but uh you know either way We'll be covering them trades, um, and so yeah, it's the is it the twenty first? Is that the is that the yep. day? All right, perfect. That's the day. So uh, uh-huh. you know, hold on to your hats for those fifteen trades, people. 
All right. Before wild. we uh, get to our guess who, I want to shout out Evolving Wild on Twitter, who I've made fun of before uh, for saying like a couple years ago, like, oh, Valerie Nachushkin's actually better than Dreisaitl or whatever. Um, but anyway, right now they're running this but March Madness style bracket with all time best hockey tweets. And actually the elite eight is going actually um, the elite eight, I think just ended or is about to end. Uh, and the polls have been moved from Google forms to Twitter. And it looks like our final four are acting. The Fulamans, uh Mark Donk and Buzz Flibbit tweet about how the Pittsburgh Penguins always have a bunch of players you've never heard of that are doing exceptionally well. Um, Barely edging out uh, Michael Blake McCurdy's an NHL team should hire me and pay me a million dollars just to say don't do that five times a year. <laughs> uh, we're just barely beat out by, oh shit, the Bruins could get uh, Barzal, Connor, and Shillington right here. Classic. Um, <laughs> a classic. Uh, and the and Actually, I should mention, there are like four separate divisions of the bracket. Uh, the Mark Dunk, Buzz Flibbit won the fans division, tweets by fans. Um oh shit, Bruins could get dot, 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 uh, was in the stats division, um, which I guess is just kind of, you know, I guess incorporates, you know, people advanced stats or whatever. Um, I'm not sure how much that one fits in. But anyway, next up in the media division, the number one seed ran the table, which was Jim Matheson saying like everyone at this combine could clean and jerk me or something (laughs) like that. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember, but I've seen the tweet. Uh, it's, uh, uh, let me look bull. it up because at the, I was, everyone was like, is this fake? Is this fake? Is this fake? <laughs> yeah. Oh, here, here it is. It wasn't the combine. Um, that would have been extra weird because a lot of those kids are 17. Literally anyway, children. This was, yeah. This was March 4th, 2016. Every bodybuilder in USA <laughs> is in Columbus for convention. They could all clean and jerk me straight up. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hall of fame writer hockey hall of fame uh, baby Send them. is that true and anyway the players <laughs> division this was i thought the most interesting division um the the final two were here with the five seed phil kessels uh just sitting around with my dog tonight felt like i should be doing something but couldn't couldn't put my finger couldn't put my finger on it back when uh team usa lost embarrassingly in the World Cup of Hockey in 2016, after he'd been snubbed from the team. But that tweet was beaten by the 15th seed. And I'm very happy that this tweet uh, won this part of the bracket because this was my favorite one here. And I was like, 15 seed? This should be way higher than that. And apparently everyone agrees with me. This is Ryan Whitney tweeting about Jordan Eberle and Taylor Hall's hangman game. <laughs> have you seen this before? Yes, I have. Oh, my God. It's it's, uh-huh. it's, it's my favorite, too. I like I <laughs> It is, so it is golden. One. So basically, there is a picture of a hangman game. All we see is the piece of paper. On top, it says food. So like, there's a hint that has been given. It's even a category, yeah. The first word has been totally figured out. It is seven letters long, and it's banana. Spelled B-A-N-A-N-N-A. And the second word is S blank blank I blank. And Ryan Whitney tweeted, Eberly and Hall in worst hangman game in history. Ebbs can't spell banana and Hall can't figure out second word is split. Wow. <laughs> and I've got to say, cool. no wonder the Oilers finished last place like five <laughs> years in a row in the early 2010s. 
Yeah, they didn't have the character in the room. They just they just didn't have the spelling acumen. Um, <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, in the last round, though, that one it did beat out another one of my personal favorites. After Tyler Sagan got traded to Dallas, only steers and queers in Texas, and I'm not a cow. Yeah, and, and apparently, sounds bold. I think I saw the hockey news was like, oh, he was hacked or whatever. Um, I still don't know if that's been confirmed, and I also. I find it impossible to read that tweet as anything but Tyler Sagan coming out. Yeah, but the hockey world doesn't want to accept it, so we just <laughs> collectively moved on. Um, yeah, no, that that was a good one. Uh, I see. Let's see what else in in the media section. Uh, the the Craig Button, like the clean and jerk last round, barely beat out uh, the lick my sack tweet. Um, <laughs> ah yes. <laughs> I'm sad that one lost out. Um, only lost by four votes, uh, but uh, but yeah, certainly a, a, an elite fucking bracket, I gotta say, uh, and uh, got got a good semifinal coming up. Mm-hmm. The lick the lick my sack tweet was basically remember a couple Montreal actually drafted Yan Meshack, <laughs> pronounced pronounced Meshack spelled M Y S A K, and someone tweeted at Craig Button, "What's your scattering report on lick Meshack?" Which someone who doesn't know it's pronounced Meshack. Would think it's lick my sack, and rather than <laughs> just ignore it, or look the name up to see if it was real or not, or just made up, Craig Button quotes the tweet and says, "I don't know, lick my sack." <laughs> imagine, imagine if even if this were a real player, even if this were some obscure <laughs> hockey player in like the fifth division in Slovakia, and even if it were some normal name, some real name. Like, hey, Craig Button, what's your what's your opinion on, on uh, Marion Slava or whatever? I just made that up, and Craig Button doesn't know who that is. Why do you go out of your way to make a tweet about how you don't know who that is? Who benefits <laughs> from that? Do you think the person who asked the question is gonna be like, oh, gee, thanks, Craig Button, for answering my question with no information? This is this is as net negative a tweet. As you can possibly get. Like everybody. <laughs> everybody lose waste their time here. Not <laughs> like like and this is this is completely looking over the fact that he fell for the dumbest fucking joke I in the know. book. But <laughs> it's also the dumbest premise for the dumbest joke of all time. Where, you know, why the fuck are you saying I don't know? <laughs> so at best, you know, like everybody's worse off. This guy gets a notification on his phone, sees that Craig Button has responded, only to see, I don't know. Uh, Craig Button <laughs> wastes his time because he's like actively typing this tweet out for some reason. Everybody who follows Craig Button has this pollute their feed, um, a complete waste <laughs> of space. Because not only did he like, he also quote tweeted, like quote replies. So you also have the whole tweet, like the original tweet uh, in the in your feed terrible but then you know he obviously he fucking wrote lick my sack on the on his fucking feet uh so uh, the you know i gotta say i don't know i think i might prefer this one to, to clean and jerk you know not taking away from clean and jerk that's a fantastic tweet um but uh you know that this this one is just on the nose it's perfect in every way yeah i'd say out of these final four that are left um i am pulling for eberly hall hangman um, I do think Clean and Jerk is the funniest one here, but the reason I lean towards Eberly Hall Hangman is because that is much more hockey related. 
Uh, and I feel like something that's much more hockey related should win the hockey Twitter bracket. Um, and as for the Donkin Flibbit and the Oh Shit Boston, um, obviously classics, but I think they both uh, come up slightly short to a tweet that showcases the utter stupidity of two quite well-known hockey players. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, th- those other two, uh, they have their own merit. You know, they, they, they get your uh, casual, your, your occasional, you know, nose exhale. Um, but these last two have have me bona fide giggling uh, because they're they're that good. Um, so you know, who's, who's my pick? I think I'm gonna have to side with you. Fifteenth um, seed, crazy March Madness madness, uh, Everly Hall Hangman. Because uh, yeah, no, it's, it's just too good. Now, it's like not even mention the fact that you know these are complete bozos as hockey players. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, just it, it's a it's a it's a quality. It's 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 just quality content. Uh, the, for everything from the the category hint to uh, you know, the spelling on both ends. Uh, spot bang on. That that's my pick. Although if this had shaped out a different way, I think Lick Me Shack would have would have been my favorite. But you know, given the circumstances, I'm taking the 15 seed. Yeah, I'm trying to. I at some point I do want to go through like all of these in the bracket because there is a big Google sheet that they made with links to all of them. But they're not all links directly to the tweets. Some of them are like links to tweets with pictures of the tweets. Some of them are like links to Reddit. Like here's one. The third seed in the players uh, division. The description of the tweet is just Budai's wife. And I clicked the Reddit link. And it brought me brought me to this page. Bizarre tweet from Peter Budai from six years ago. And there is a link to Twitter on this Reddit page right at the top. And I clicked on that and it tells me that the page doesn't exist anymore, leading me to believe the tweet has been deleted. Uh, so I don't know what's up with that, but anyway, um, I, I was looking at that part specifically because I was curious what tweet Eberly Hall hangman upset in the first round. And it was Charlie McAvoy's tweet from when he was, what year was this? This is 2013, so he would have been about 15 years old. And the tweet is, I hate the Bruins so much. <laughs> uh, that's not bad either. Um, it doesn't have, yeah, it doesn't have the uh, the efficiency of uh, Everly, ha- Everly, Everly Hall. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's... <laughs> yeah, because that, that's, that's, that, that, that tweet is only funny because of a coincidence that happened yeah. several years later when he was drafted by the Bruins, you know? So I feel like I feel like second seed was was a bit too high for that one. Yeah, I I, I think you're absolutely right. Any other team, and we don't we don't bat an eye. Uh, meanwhile, in any context, the hangman is hilarious. Yeah, even see what's funny about the Everly uh, Hall one, you can show that to anyone in the entire world. Uh, well, assuming they know how to spell banana split and know what a banana <laughs> split is. Yeah, and they're gonna say, "Wow, that's pretty freaking hilarious." Uh, and that's something that I think applies to very few of these tweets, like Mark Donk and Buzz Flibbit, Flibbit having, you know, 50 points on the Penguins. Like, uh, that's, uh, like, who's going to, who's going to understand that? Who's going to understand Barzal Connor and Shillington right here outside of hockey Twitter. And I know it is a hockey Twitter bracket, but I feel like the Everly Hall hangman one is a clearly very hockey specific and very well known on hockey Twitter. And also universally funny, so I really just think it ticks all the boxes. Yeah, uh, I think I think the ones that are a notch above are just universally funny. 
Um, and like for example, you show anybody the 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 Jim Madison tweet, just straight giggles all around. Uh, and I think that yeah, <laughs> you don't need to be a hockey fan but to appreciate. One, unlike Everly Hall, doesn't really have much to do with hockey. So should it be winning this bracket? I would say no. <laughs> right. Um, but it's it's a hockey man. Um, and, and you know what? You need to. You, I think you need to to take this tweet appreciation to another level. You need to understand Jim Madsen's place in in in, in the hockey world. Um, so I think yes. it's it's hockey relevant enough. Um, too. If it had won, I won't. I won't cause an uproar about it. <laughs> we'll start I a won't riot. riot. I won't riot exactly. All right. Mm. Anyway, enough on that. Um, I'd encourage everyone to go vote when the final four kicks off. Probably tomorrow, March fourteenth, or today, March fourteenth, if that's when you're listening, which is probably when you're listening. Um, uh, to you know, get the best results possible. And I think we are officially uh campaigning for Eberly Hall Hangman. So. Go support that tweet, the 15 seed in the quest for victory. Um, anyway, I just I just want to mention you. I just want to mention one last thing. Um, I'm looking at the the one seed for the players division, and it's Taylor Hall again. Uh, so he's just like yes, out these bangers. He's got he's got failed my boater's license again. I'm a joke. I just want my license. Uh, a 2011, classic. which is incredible. So uh, you know he's he's pumping up the content. I gotta say. Mm-hmm. Influencer Taylor Hall. That's right. Uh, just like, oh, who was that Devil's pro- Nikita Papagayev? Was he the one who retired from hockey to become an yes, influencer? Yeah, we did. I think that was him. Yeah, yeah. whole bit on him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Taylor Hall's. Uh, if if hockey hadn't worked out, I think we know where he'd be getting his income. Anyway, Kraken. Only wishes. All right, let's do it. Guess, Guess who, who time? All right. Once again, uh, let it be mentioned that I am losing badly. And we have eight teams left in this Guess Who Mega Series. I have six wins. Taisei has 11. We have seven ties. So I'm in tougher than ever. And today we're doing the Kraken, a team that didn't even exist. was over a year away from having its first player when we we played our first game at Guess Who back in May 2020. And now here we are, 25 players. And those players are... Uh, I'm not. I, they're not in position order like they were a minute ago because I was sorting my different things. Uh, okay, here we go. Philip Grubauer, Chris Dreger, Adam Larson, Hayden Fleury, Jamie Alexiak, Jeremy Lozon, Vince Dunn, William Borgen, Carson Susi, Mark Giordano, Jaden Schwartz, Alexander Wenberg, Riley Shan, Jordan Neverly, Jared McCann, Marcus Johansson, Cole Lind, Callie Yarncroft, Ryan Donato, Morgan Geeky, Jonas Donskoy, Mason Appleton, Colin Blackwell, Yanni Gord, and Brandon Tanev. Those are our 25. All right, let's roll. Um, so I will be randomizing. Okay, got my player. Do you? All right. Oh, kind of a side note. Do you yeah. like when we start playing Guess Who and doing trivia and doing these later segments and stuff? Mm-hmm. Do you tend to like move farther away from your microphone? Uh, well, you know, I think uh when it comes to uh the Guess Who, I do look. I tend to turn to my computer, uh, which is a bit more of a turn, ah. so I can adjust my mic there. All right. Nice. Okay. Uh, not a big deal. I just tend to turn up the volume in these parts, but All right. All right, do you have your player? Let's roll. Yes, I do. All right. I also have my player. I will mute my incoming audio in 3, 2, 1. Carson Soucy. And I'm back. All right. I will be muting in 3, 2, 1. My player is Jeremy Lozon. 
All right. I am back. Um, so what happened last time? Did we get yeah, a tie last, last time? last time we tied. The time before you won. So yeah. I still have home guess advantage. So take it away. All right. Um, hmm. let's, let's, let's spice it up this week. Uh, we have a lot of expiring contracts on this team. So that'll be my first con. That'll be my first question. Uh, is your player's contract uh, up after this week, uh, after the season? Uh, let me go yeah, this week. take a look. The answer is yes. My player's contract All is right. expired at the end of this season. That is the first time that question has popped up. We'll have to see it. All, All right. right. I'm going to go, go with ahead. an old reliable classic concerning number. Is your player's number 23 or less? Uh, no, it is not 23 or less. Interesting. All right. Have a lot of teams. Okay. All right. Um, hmm. Okay. Is your player's Current cap hit this year, $850,000 or less. Yes. Our player's cap hit this year is $850,000 or less. All right. We're down to five. Oh, down to no. Five. It's been a good How'd run. that happen? We have some spicy questions, um, a couple favorable bounces, and we're in. Okay. Let me, let me see if I can get something similar going uh, over here. Uh, I want to try to see if I can get a favorable seven-five split. All right, shoot. All right. How, how do I? How shall I sort these? What if I sort by last name? What does that do for me? Uh, yeah, yeah. This 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 works. Yeah, this this will do. Is your player's last name? Uh, does your player's last name start with a letter between A and G? Last name start between A and G? Yes. No. All right. Interesting. And nice. And I am down okay. to five players as well. That is unfortunate. Oh, that's terrible. Um, all right. Let's try to get this to two. Um, very, a very Seattle Kraken-oriented question. Was your player acquired via the expansion draft? Yes, my player was acquired via the expansion draft. That is a that's a shit bounce. Uh, I'm down to three. All, All right. right. Is your player a defenseman? Yes. It, it that's kind of a shit bounce too, because I'm also down to three. Okay. All right. So here are my three players, all picks that are questionable from the expansion draft. Extremely questionable. Um, we have Colin Blackwell. We have Morgan Geeky. We have Jeremy Lozon. Um yeah, so this this is so this is what the Kraken paid six hundred and fifty million dollars for. <laughs> um, all right. Um okay. They're all fascinating pieces. Um, okay. Is your player first of all, they're all nobody, so I'm basing this off nothing. Uh is your player Morgan Geeky? No, my player is not Morgan Geeky. All right. That's terrible. All right, I've got go ahead three defensemen. Jeremy Lozon, Jamie Alexiak, and Carson Soucy. 
I'm not going to go with Alexiak because he's notable in that I mentioned him earlier in the episode specifically. I didn't mention either one of the other. Jeremy Lozon and Carson Soucy, to me, are the exact same vibes. Uh, they are both <laughs> bottom-pairing defensemen uh, who Seattle said, we love you and we must have you. Um, uh, I, I'm going to I'm gonna go eeny, meeny, miny, mo essentially picking between these two. Is your player Carson Soucy? Unfortunately, it is yes! Carson Susi takes an L. Win for damn. me. Who the hell is your player? Was it Colin no, Blackwell? No, it was Lozon. I was faking you out. Oh, oh my <laughs> god. What do you mean you were faking me out? I was out? faking you out by trying to pretend I was close to guessing him. Oh, okay. Wow. What a, what a, what a trickster. What a prank. Um, But yeah, didn't even, I didn't even have to because you secured I the sure bag. Didn't, but I was being even, safe. Even before. Wow. Well, what a strategy! Um, all these, all these advanced metric questions that I pulled out handed me an L. Sure did. That's horrid. Uh-huh. That's stick horrid. Stick to the eye test. Yeah. That'll teach me. Yeah, stick to numbers. Stick to country of origin. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. <laughs> stick, to con- <laughs> stick to age. Stick to draft team. <laughs> stick to last name. <laughs> if, I mean, if to be fair, if you are certain, uh, if you are certain, uh, if you're one of the. Uh, Anti-Russian teams out there, general managers, they do tend to do that. Um, so <laughs> was it totally off base on that strategy? Um, all right. So uh okay, let's let's go to round two. All Hopefully right. I can uh you know make up for that bad first round. Oh, Jesus. Jeremy Lozon, eh? God damn. All right, I got mine. Right, muting in three, two, one. Jaden Schwartz. And I'm back. All right. I'm muting in three, two, one. I got Hayden Fleury. All right. I have returned now. Interesting. Let's, let us, let us, let us roll. Okay. Your turn to start. It is, isn't it? All right. Let's go with a personal favorite of mine. Was your player drafted in the first or second round. Alright. My player was drafted in either of those rounds. Ooh. Oh, oh! Oh! Oh, I messed up! Oh, I was gonna, yes, I was gonna need to split the other... You hate this oh, oh, this is bad. I have... Oh, no! Oh! Oh no! I have fourteen players left, and none of them are goalies. Yikes! Yeah, you hate to see it. All right. Um. Okay. My question, also draft related, uh, was your player drafted in the second to the seventh round? No, my player was not drafted in the second to the seventh round. Okay, so they're either undrafted or a first round pick. Proceed. I'm down to 12. Okay. Not looking great, but that's okay. I'm staying calm. I'm going to go with another draft question. Uh, is, uh, is your player, was your player drafted in the top 22? My player was drafted in the top 20 
two. Interesting. I have seven players left now. All right. I'm I'm whittling it down to six with is your player signed for the okay, counting this year. Does your player have uh, four or more years left on their contract? Or if you're not counting this year, it would be three or more. No. Our player does not have that. So they are either have three years or one year left. All right. All right. Go ahead. Hmm. How shall I split up these? Ooh, here's a funny one. Okay, so yeah. So I have seven players left here. As I as you know, they're all top 22 draft picks. One of them was 4th overall, one of them was 7th overall, one of them was 21st overall, one of them was 22nd overall, and three of them were 14th overall. So I'm naturally I'm going to ask the question, was your player drafted 14th overall? My player was drafted hey. 14th overall. <laughs> what do you know? What do you know? <laughs> what the fuck do you know? It's kind of interesting. Right. They have three fourteenth overall picks. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Um, ooh, this is a spicy one. Does your player have any sort of trade protection? So no movement clause, modified anything, no trade clause. Why are you really going with some complicated questions here? No, my player does not yeah, have any trade that's protection. Right. Okay. You're telling me it's a nobody. You're telling me it's a nobody. It's either Hayden Fleury, Marcus Johansson, or Riley fucking Cheyenne. That's terrible. That's trash. Set myself up. All right, go ahead. All right. So my three players left, all 14th overall picks, of course, are 2010 14th overall pick, Jaden Schwartz, 2011 14th overall pick, Jamie Alexiak, and 2013 14th overall pick, Alexander Wenberg. If they had Zemgus Gergensen from 2012, uh, if they recruited him, they'd have four in a row, 14th overall picks, but alas, it's not to wow. be. Anyway, the strategy of not going with Alexiak because I mentioned him earlier paid off in round one. Another name I mentioned was Jaden Schwartz. So that leaves Alexander Wenberg. Is your player Alexander Wenberg? No, it's not. Okay. Can't say it Can't is. Can't say it is. All right. <laughs> oh, man. I cornered myself with these crazy questions uh because now i have three shit players all drafted in the first round uh who all make under one and a half million dollars um okay all right just gonna go for it uh is your player riley shan no my player is not riley shan fuck i hate this i hate this this is straight up awful all right is your player jaden schwartz yes it is jaden schwartz um Okay. All right. Should should have. All right. So you gotta you gotta get this one. Otherwise, I'm straight up winner. Continue the episode. Yeah, for the first time ever. Um. Well, don't quote me on that one. Uh. But uh. What do you mean first time ever? Is your? (laughs) I'm joking. Um. Well, maybe first sweep. No, I've had sweeps. I've had last time you did that. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Um. Here we go. Do I take the defenseman? I I don't dare. Is your player Marcus Johansson? My player. Is not Marcus Johansson. Oh, I hate myself. My player I hate myself. is That's indeed terrible. Hayden, Hayden Flurry. God damn. Win. Yikes. Big sweep. What Holy an excellent victory. Holy crap. For yours truly, Alex. <laughs> in the Seattle Kraken round against you. It's a, it's a long road ahead, but this has been a very productive start to the epic comeback. I'm writing it into the note right now. March done? 13th, Seattle, colon, Alex. And on the bottom, 
I'm switching my six W to a seven W. We have seven games left. So you're down by four. I'm down by four. This is within reach. As long as all our fans are behind me and against you, I believe in myself. I'm terrified. Um, yikes! Yikes! I I don't know what happened there. Um, I think I just got it, man. I think I spent double the time I usually do just thinking of spicy categories, and I could not have backfired more sure. clearly. Um, maybe it's back to the basics next time around. Who knows? Um, but uh, it feels like the lightning. You know, it's like man, uh, this is this is. <laughs> Very, very, very reflective of what we witnessed. Uh, I was the uh, dominant team who finally ran into a uh, two-game losing streak out of nowhere. So, uh, all you're right, a, you didn't you're not on a losing well, streak. You're just on a, well, a not winning in, streak. I meant just the, in today's uh, games. You know, you lose two in a row. Don't even get a tie. Just straight two losses. Um, embarrassing, terrible. Um, so there we go. That's this week's guess who. Uh, serves me well for trying to spice it up. Uh, and uh, yeah, anything you want to add before we call it a week? Uh, yeah, I I was actually, I never would have thought that I would take two scrubs of such similar caliber as Jeremy Lausanne and Hayden Fleury, and yet I'd still manage mm-hmm. to pull off the win. I guess there are so many scrubs on the Kraken that the fact that I took a scrub is maybe less notable. Um, but yeah, actually I do have one more thing to add. I meant to add when you were talking yes. about the Twitter brackets, but someone like replying to an, an evolving wild tweet was like late entry. And uh, two days ago, there was a tweet from, from nail M says uh, after the sharks yeah. placed Ryan Dezingle on waivers, sad to hear about the Dezingle waiver news between him, James Reimer, John Leonard and Jacob Megna. The Sharks were a Nate Schmidt acquisition away from icing a lineup that featured John Jacob Zingle, Reimer, and Schmidt. <laughs> Ooh, man, that's that's quite the tweet. That is, uh... <laughs> wow, interesting. Um, do you have any thoughts about? I this think tweet? it's absolutely remarkable and very well crafted, because at the start you're like, oh, is this like dumb and stupid and then at the end you're like oh it's a funny punchline <laughs> is it yes john jacob zinkle reimer schmidt is His it name is my name too whenever i go out the people always shout john jacob zinkle reimer schmidt la 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 la, la. what am do i what? something? do you yet? not know the song john jacob jingle heimer schmidt his name is my name too the famous song yeah, yeah, it's the famous song that I. That's why you didn't of. get the joke. What you um, thought he was just listing random players? Yes, I thought he just was weirdly optimistic about the <laughs> no, Sharks defenseman. No, this is um, <laughs> this is a, this is a funny reference to an extremely famous folk song, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt, and he said John Jacob Zingle Reimer Schmidt. There we go. Now you know. So uh, now I know. Quality tweet, well crafted. I can't believe you've never heard of John um, Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. We can pull the listeners, see how many people have. It would be uh, there, over ninety percent from? of people who have. What? Where is this from? It's where the hell is this folk from? song. It's probably written like the eighteen hundreds or something. What, you... what the hell? How have I never heard of this folk song? God damn! And it's where is this popular? John... Huh? 
And Mark the funniest nowhere. thing about that song or is that like the second line is his name is my name too. <laughs> What's that? I gotta Google this. John Jacob Jingleheimer. Jingleheimer Schmidt Schmidt. It is a traditional children's song. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, you learn something every day. Today it's uh, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. If, if I hadn't and, started uh, singing this song, we would have ended the right. episode with you just not getting the joke at all. Yeah, that would have been a dud. Uh, I would have been put that on our slash whoosh. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm in the loop now. I'm in the loop now, everybody. Don't worry. I know I know what's up. I even read the Wikipedia. Well, then. All right. So what team are we doing this week? In our deadline week, should we take that into mm. consideration that it's the fact that it's deadline week? Sure. Uh, who, who's who got some interesting pieces or may move? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't think you want to watch Rasmus versus the Lions. I, I kind of want to try to watch a good team, which you tried to do with the Lightning. Okay. Yeah, which it didn't work out. Um, let's see. We have... Uh, we have Calgary's a good team. LA's somewhat misfittingly good. Carolina, we haven't I watched like, yet. Did we, did we, did we, did uh, the, the Rangers, if you want to watch. Uh, I don't think so, but I could be wrong on that one. So we can hold off until I double check. Let's do the Flames. Um, Hopefully they keep Flames. Let me just check their schedule. Yeah. All they right. play Wednesday against the Devils, who they should beat. Friday against Buffalo, another shit team. And Saturday against Vancouver. So. All right. I mean, I I don't mind watching the Flames beat up on three Let's bad do teams, it. but uh. All right. Next week. Let's go. Next week it's the Flames plus the the two and a half deals that might happen between now and the day before the deadline. Don't miss it. Thanks for there listening to this week's Fusion and Hockey podcast. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Fusion and Hockey Podcast, and we'll be back next week, which with all the things that I just talked about. The end.